we return to our exposition of Ephesians. We are continuing in Ephesians chapter 5, 16, but uh, going a little bit further into chapter 6, 4. So I'd like to read that uh, for us. Ephesians 5, 18 through 6, 4. So hear God's word. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So what men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. May God bless the reading of his holy word, shall we pray. O Lord, we ask that you would bless your holy word, that you would bless it to our hearts and minds by your spirit with holy thoughts and holy words and holy actions in response and application of your word to our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Christian marriage and family is the title of this message. Last time we considered the redemption of sinners and how they are made part of the church as the bride of Christ. This time we will look at Christian marriage and family life as an earthly picture of the heavenly. A key principle in all of this in the church is submission, like submission of the church to her Lord. As the church is subject unto Christ, it says in verse 24. This is reflected also in the submission of the members one to another in the house of the Lord, such as in verse 521, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. 
Let's start with you, Christian wifeys. Those Christian hubbies and those Christian wifeys. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. By the way, this commandment applies to every wife, regardless of her superiority in gifts, knowledge, experience in the Christian life, etc. If, for example, uh, one gal raised in the faith and who is well-armed and prepared for marriage, marries someone who is less prepared, or maybe relatively new in the faith, maybe a babe in Christ, hopefully not one that's not an unbeliever. And so, of course, there's this disparity. Wives, you still submit to your husbands. And your goal is to bring him up, to raise him up, to uh, pray and, and work toward his being your teacher one day, your leader one day, in in the spiritual way. And by the way, husbands, you're not to command your wife to fulfill this injunction of, of Christ's daughters. Wife, obey me, for I am your Lord. After all, didn't Abraham do that with Sarah? As it says in 1 Peter 3, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, that's not what that I mean, you could, but let's remember that uh, we're all made equal, men and women. It's true. The woman was made from the side of man, right? To show this inferior, superior relationship. But it's in position only in relationship to God in this order. Also remember that while the man is the head, the woman is like the neck that turns the head so you know there's that relationship okay correspondence that's what we call it complementary that's what we call it so rather it is for you the wife to give yourselves to your husbands freely and lovingly that's where the focus lies each one having his or her own responsibility and mind you to him and him alone and to no other and that as unto the Lord if Jesus is your own Lord and Savior, that you have owned as your Lord and your Savior, I trust that you're giving yourself to him, body and soul, both in life and then one day in death. So likewise, give yourself, body and soul, to the one you call your soulmate. 1 Peter 3, 4. And 1 Peter 3 is such a, an excellent passage to complement Ephesians 5. So if you would turn with me to it, 1 Peter 3, 4. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. That meek and quiet spirit, that humble heart is everything marriage in some things no in everything even in the areas where you're the expert wife my wife is an expert for example in, in the uh, this stuff okay I'm lost <laughs> without her help <laughs> and I recognize that but even there she is to recognize uh, that uh, I'm still one who's leading the family. 
And so, in verse 24, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. This is God's will for your life, wives. This is regardless of your husband's being worthy of it or unworthy of it, as the case may be, as the case is, or what husband is ever worthy. And the worst case scenario is brought up in First Peter 3, and that is of what? One who's not a Christian. What if you marry outside of the faith? And there are enough examples of that in Christ's church. Even in our past uh, experience as a congregation, that it merits addressing. Your husband is not yet saved. He is not a Christian. According to the Bible, according to 1 Peter 3, if your unconverted husband is to ever come to Christ, it can only, he can only come with a supernatural work of grace in you first. <laughs> you, the wife, the, the, the saved wife, first. Let me read it down. 1 Peter 3, 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, that's speaking, I believe, it could be speaking of a backslidden husband, okay, backslidden faith, that is. But it could, and I believe in this case, does speak also to one who is not a Christian that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. That's not saying that the word is not important, but that's saying that, amongst other things, practically speaking, that you don't keep preaching at him. You don't keep family radio on day and night, you know, uh, when he wants to have peace and quiet after a long day at work. Uh, you don't leave tracks here and there uh, for him to pick up that are directly... Uh, ordered, tailored for your husband to come to know Jesus Christ. That's an application of this. And why? That you don't irritate him. That you, <laughs> that you, as it says here, win him by your conversation. And conversation is more than this. It's also living a godly life. While they behold your chaste Life, lifestyle, coupled with fear. So there you are. Heidelberg Catechism question 86 speaks about this generically to all relationships and particularly uh, with in view our walk with Christ. Since then we are redeemed from our misery by grace through Christ without any merit of ours. Why should we do good works? Why? And by the way, it starts in the home. It starts in Jerusalem and it works out to the uttermost part of the earth. Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit after his own image, that we with our whole life show ourselves thankful to God for his blessing. And that he may be glorified through us. Is God glorified through a broken life or through a broken relationship or through... Uh, constant uh, bickering and tits for tats and all of that? No. Then also that we ourselves may be assured by our faith, by the fruits thereof. Meaning when you have fruits in your life that are glorifying to God, they're pleasing. They're 
upbuilding, they're encouraging also to one another. We are able to be winsome to win some, as someone once said. You've got to be winsome to win some, right? Be all things to all men, that by all means we may save some. So are you winsome, wifey? A winsome wifey. <laughs> Next, you Christian hubbies. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Whoa. <laughs> Lord, you mean I have to be like Christ to my wife? What do you think? That's not just the order of the day. That's, that's the goal, the long-range goal. That's the forest for the trees goal. The husband's supreme responsibility is to love his wife. It's not just his weakest point, his Achilles heel, but it's his supreme and chief purpose in marriage. Because after all, he gave woman to man for companionship. What's that without love? What kind of love is that? I'll tell you this, it's one that is out of this world. <laughs> it's a self-sacrificing love for his wife. According to the word, verse 25, our memory verse for next week, husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ gave everything. He gave his very life for the sake of his beloved bride, the church. This is the standard of God for us husbands. So talk about high. It is so high we can't attain unto it on our own. It is so high that we'll never reach it in this life without the Lord. Like with our Christian wives, so it is so high we cannot attain to it without a supernatural work of grace in us as well as in our wives. Take, for example, Colossians 3.19. So turn to another scripture, Colossians 3.19, for our conviction. <laughs> it's a meditation, but uh, more of a command that is convicting, like all of God's commandments are first showing the holiness of God and then showing our utter wretched sinfulness. And, and it should bring us to conviction. And finally, to look outside of ourselves to the only one, who fulfilled it and did so for us, and that is Christ. Husbands, love your wives, but and be not bitter against them. God knows our propensity to get bitter over time. This may not be right away, but over time. And even to want to capitulate, if not to actually capitulate, meaning to give up. Yet God even knowing that of us, commands us instead to love our wives anyway. Or better, to love our wives through Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And why does he command us to do this? So that we would uh, live miserable lives because we can't attain to it and we always fall short? No, the very opposite. He wants us to live blessed lives, happy lives. That's what the Beatitudes are all about. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are they that are poor in spirit, for they should be called the children of God. For they shall see God. Maybe there's an area of 
work in your life that God is working on your life. And that is why this is going on. Like long-suffering. You've heard of long-suffering? Similar to patience, but it has this little element uh, with it that has to do with our need to suffer long. Patience is fine if you're all by yourself in the forest, you know, and uh, you're having a good time uh, enjoying God's creation. But uh, it's not that way when you're having problems, especially problems with your nearest and dearest. Remember, if your wife is a Christian, she's a work of God. But a work in progress work of God. How about that? I came up with that one. <laughs> a work in progress work of God. We can admire what God has done, but keep in mind, you'll be let down if you're expecting that 100% in total, 24-7, it's not there yet. It will be one day in glory for her and for you when you go to be with the Lord. But it's the only kind that is a work in progress, work of God in this life. There is. And we can be encouraged, even with baby steps. Baby steps are the steps of a baby Christian. Even with baby steps, we can be encouraged. Are you not encouraged when the little ones, like like some little ones that have come into our congregation, when you see them first walking, oh, wow, ooh, you know. <laughs> Why are we not that way with uh, spiritual, the spiritual babes in Christ? Like our spouses, like our wives. Uh, a work in progress, like the road work that seems to be going on everywhere you go, like in our neighbor, my neighborhood. I mean, they were working on the roads there, and they're working on the freeways. We went up to L.A. and uh, and so on and so forth. That's because it's it's necessary. It's necessary for if, if we're to be able to travel, if we're to be on the road of life. So remember, God is not through with her, just as God is not through with you, husband. I asked what kind of love that is, and it is not only a self-sacrificing or giving love, it is a redemptive love. It says in verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That's the ongoing work of Calvary. That's the work of the word and the spirit of Christ in the life, in uh, taking that which is perfect in Christ, but is not yet complete in us and, and, and bring us up to speed with him, Christ Jesus. You want your life, uh, your wife's life to be pleasing to God? That's a good question to ask. Do you want a wife who's becoming more Christ-like day by day? That's a good prayer, which to pray. Is your love that is behind it redeeming love, sanctifying love, cleansing love, purifying love, forgiving love? Do you forgive her sins and overlook her weaknesses like Christ does our sins and our weaknesses? In Ephesians 4, 31, 32, back at our passage well, before it. They're all bitterness and wrath and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking, be put away from me with all malice. I think Paul was wanting to make sure he covered all the bases when he named and identified each of these negative emotions, sinful emotions. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. There it is. There is how we accomplish that. Secondly, do you nourish and cherish her like we naturally do our own bodies, is the argument of the Apostle Paul back in our passage. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh. That's obvious. I mean, <laughs> that's very obvious, right? Look at how we take care of ourselves. The best. No expense is too great. No treatment is good enough. But what about our wives? It says, nourish and cherish it. That is Christ, his own body, his own people, his own church. Do we nourish and cherish our wives even more than ourselves? Wow. I'm looking in the mirror right now. I mean, you don't see it. You're looking in the mirror, right? I don't see you. You're looking in the mirror, but that's a tall order. If you are to be the loving leader God has called you to be of your own house, which is the goal, notice, loving leader, you will need to be a servant of all. That's what the Lord says. Even as he said one time, but the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, that is to have people wait on him, uh, serve him. That's not his purpose in coming to the earth the first time. No, it wasn't. He came to be a servant of all, to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's where it's at. That's where our leadership is patterned in stone. It's in stone. It's meaning the will of God. And yes, although we are not saved on the basis of our performance, we are not sanctified by our performance, as it were, per se. It's all the work of the Spirit. And, and even when we've done our best, we are to say, you know, we've, we've come short uh, and, and, if, and if, uh, in need of the Lord Jesus Christ. But yes, you will need to earn the love and respect of your wife and children too. It says in Ephesians 5.33, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. But this is at the tail end of, of all that Paul says about the man of God who is living out his faith as the husband of his wife. And as the father of his children, as we're about to embark on now. Parents and children, you're next and last. Ephesians 1, 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is speaking to all children, but especially as they get older. So young and old alike, God wants you to keep on obeying your parents. God wants you to honor your father and mother and thus honor him, your God. And honoring your parents is the motive for obeying them because you honor them, you respect them, you hold them highly in love for who they are and for their work's sake. You want to please them. You want to do things that they ask of you to do. This is the only commandment about the family, by the way. One commandment. That's all you need, right? 
And it's the first of the Ten Commandments with a promise attached to it. Where, is that? Where does it say that? Nexus 20.12. So I'll turn to it. You can turn to it too. Exodus 20, 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. There it is. There's the commandment, and there is the promise annexed to the commandment. And the, and the promise is long life. I tell that from time to time to uh, young people children especially who don't listen to their parents who need to be corrected I tell them you want to live a long life you better follow your parents and as they get older same thing do you want to live a long life then get back to following dad and mom even in their old age all the more in their old age we're saying this right now to family members to children of parents that are aging, uncles and aunts that are aging, to our cousins, nephews and nieces. You want a long life. But you know what? Paul adds something else, doesn't he, in Ephesians uh, 6. He says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So what did he add? That it may be well with thee, so that you have quality of life. You want to live a long and a happy life? Honor your father and your mother. Perhaps that may be the problem with why some suffer towards the end of their life. Because they didn't honor their parents. And then they have kids that didn't honor them. And bit the hand that fed them as it were. How sad. How sad to see elderly folks in the rest homes that we have visited on occasion that I used to visit more frequently at one time alone, lamenting how they are so alone. And, and yet their children may not be that far away. They may be in the very town in which they live. And they don't even receive a phone call from them. How sad. Honor your father and your mother, period. You parents, fathers and mothers, both. It's not just the fathers, although the fathers are the ones singled out here. Because the commandment that this is based upon is to honor both father and mother. But you parents, don't discourage your growing and grown-up children by unreasonable demands and restrictions upon them. Or, or even having that attitude or that spirit of, of being that way, of, Treating them like they're still small kids when they're already grown up, men and women. Now, they may not always behave in that, in, in, at their age, but you are still responsible to do your best to treat them with that respect that is due to where they are in life. That's, that's all there is to it. That's, that's, that's uh, the law of, of, of life, okay? Many an ancient father, Jewish or Gentile, ruled his household with rigidity and with a domineering hand. And this could be why the Apostle Paul is speaking to this in, in such a manner. I know of one man that I evangelize with who comes from a background of a father who is an abuser in every, every sense of the word. 
physically and emotionally and with his tongue and almost destroyed him. The Lord, by his mercy, saved him when he was already into his 50s. He says, I was, I was into everything, including uh, a very um, terrible person who beats up on people and, and doesn't uh, let anything get past him because he was following in his father's footsteps. But if you see him now, he is, he is such a different person. He still fights against that, that feeling, that urge, uh, such as when we were confronted by someone who tore down our sign, uh, which was hanging over I-8. And, and, and they, they were like, like, like this, you know, to each other, the two, the two men. And, 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 then, and then when I addressed them, when I happened to, you know, I happened to be there and, and, and was able to address them, they were saying, well, the other pushed first, just like little children. <laughs> well, anyway. That rigidity is unnecessary. Legalism, whether it's in the home or in the church, is not the way to go. It is one of shepherding and leading, such as a man is to lead a sister and most especially a wife. So are we to lead our flock as a shepherd in Christ Jesus, who says he held the lambs to his bosom, and those use gently beside him. And that's the standard. Sadly today, laxity rules the home. But regardless, the remedy is still the same. Train up a child in the way in which he should go, and they will not depart from it. There's the hope, there's the promise of God that when you are faithful to the best of your ability with your little ones, and with your nuts and little ones, as you continue with consistency to the best of your ability, the grace that God has given to you, that they will come to the faith. Maybe it will be later in life, like this friend of mine, or maybe even sooner. But that's the hope. But without that, no, absolutely no guarantee, no assurance whatsoever, no promise. But that takes time. That takes taking time for your children. That takes being with your children and not assigning them to babysitters and assigning them to daycare centers, assigning them to even relatives to take care of them. That's not their, that's not their grandparents' responsibility. That's yours, dad and mom. I know this from first-hand experience. <laughs> Both bad and good, negative and positive. So, you need to be with your children long enough so that they can begin to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that they begin to see how you are as a Christian, how you walk, and from those good things, be encouraged in their faith in Christ. Reading God's Word together, oh, there's nothing more precious than that. Um, praying together, Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. If you don't pray with your family, you know, like that saying goes, a family that stays together, prays together, stays together, your family will not stay together. I assure you. Grow in love and holiness and happiness together. But if you don't spend time, 
this is what your children need. This is what they look for, yes? They look for that. They look for structure. They look for discipline. They look for a loving discipline and nurturing of their parents. And this is what they long for. And you're not giving it? I trust that if you aren't, that you would change that, that you would begin to do that. They will love you and respect you more for it. They love you and respect you now, but they will truly, from their heart, be beholden to you in a way that you, there's just nothing to explain except you got to do it and experience it. And they will follow in your footsteps as you follow Christ. Like Paul says, follow me as I follow the Lord. And if your prayer is anything like what my wife and I have been caused to pray uh, throughout our life and ministry, you will pray that they will even go further than you, that they will excel in grace, that they will excel in their walk with Christ. I'll end with one scripture, 1 Peter 3, 18 and 19. Look it up again. So... Yes, first, sorry, Second Peter 3, 18. Second Peter 3, 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, thank you for our study of the Christian family, of the Christian marriage, which is the foundation for the Christian home. And for, Lord, even our relationship as parents to our children. Lord, we are thankful for your uh, heavenly model uh, to us all. Even, not just, Lord, as the husband of your church, called you call your bride. But even to your children, Lord. Your sons and daughters of the Almighty, who is yourself. Lord, continue to teach us, correct us, lead us and guide us. Continue to have us go to the Word of God, to the model that is set forth in Holy Scripture for our, for our model. Not the world, but the Word. And to seek you on our faces for the grace and mercy that is absolutely requisite for us to accomplish this task. It is a high calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's now sing our closing hymn, and that is...